The Toyota MR2 sports car. Lexus, the result of our relentless pursuit of perfection. Oh, what a feeling. Toyota. Toyota. Let's go places. Kelsey, so today I sound like this. Allergies are a little <laughs> bit bad in Texas. <laughs> Sorry about it, everybody. But today we are talking about the state of the Savannah. The Savannah. <laughs> it's a car. It's a van. It's, it's affecting my mind, too, apparently. <laughs> uh, if you know me, you know I'm an SUV girl. I love my GX, right? Yes. But sedans have served me well in my life. And today we're talking about the state of the sedan. Sedans are everyone's starter vehicle for the most part, I feel like. Everyone can relate to that. Yep. What was your starter vehicle? Oh, man. Well, the Isuzu Trooper, as I mentioned in another episode, I had to learn to parallel park that. But um, You and Kristen Cavallari. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mine was a coupe, actually. It was a 1999 uh, Mercury Cougar when they Ah. released the Cougar as a coupe. Nice. Yeah. I had a 99 Toyota Camry. It is exactly what I asked for. And... I feel like, no, no, we're reclaiming the Camry as exciting. I was going to say, I feel like that's not a reflection of my personality, a 99 sedan, but like, I loved the Camry. Yeah. And you joined like, I feel like it was handed down from like family, right? No, I literally asked my parents. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Four door too. Like everyone's asking for a coupe, whatever. And I was like, no, 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 no. I want... A 99 Camry yeah. in black, yeah. four doors. Yeah. And they were like, you got it, $3,500, it's yours. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Amazing. All right, we're going to, I promise we're going to get into the episode here. Okay, so if you ask someone to picture a car, most people will imagine a sedan. Until recently, sedans were actually the most popular car on the market. But in 2015, SUVs overtook their sales for the first time. Just four years later, SUVs were outselling sedans two to one. And now some car manufacturers are actually turning their backs on the sedan segment altogether. Not Toyota though. So what exactly is going on? Are sedans going extinct or has Toyota simply cornered the market? In this edition of Toyota Untold, we're exploring the state of the sedan. Joining us today is Sam Goot from Toyota's Vehicle Marketing and Communications Department. Among her many achievements, Sam was part of the team that led the RAV4 to become the best-selling small SUV in the United States just a few years ago. Also joining us is Paul DeVario from our Product Planning and Strategy Department. Both Paul and Sam have been with Toyota for more than 20 years, so we have an absolute wealth of knowledge and experience to dig into between them. Welcome, Sam and Paul, to the podcast. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having us. We're talking today about sedans in the U.S. market because, as we know, there's a lot of SUVs out there. People in America love to pack their families into bigger vehicles. I am one of them. I drive a GX. I love my Lexus GX. I only have two kids, but it's nice to have the option to pack more people in there. 
but I started out in sedans. Sedans have literally driven me to the point until I got a family. And then I was like, I need the third row. And my husband was like, why? And I was like, I don't know. I just need the third row. And Kelsey, you drive a bigger vehicle as well, right? In the forerunner, but sedans are still very important to Toyota and to the market in general. So today we're talking about the state of the sedan. With this decline in market share, there's growing sentiment among some of the population that the sedan is a car of the past. Does their diminished place on the road reflect the greater choice offered to drivers nowadays, or is the sedan simply on its way out? Toyota certainly doesn't think so. In fact, we're as enthusiastic about sedans as ever. Sam and Paul, tell us why. The truth is we're making them, we're investing in them because consumers are buying them. Although the sedan market has decreased over the last couple of years, it's still a good chunk of business. It's over 20% of the industry sales and represents last year, just over right around three and a half million units. So we're going to continue to make them as consumers are still continuing to buy them. And we're going to try to get our fair share or unfair share of our market share with them. I think we might even be seeing the very beginning of a counter trend. And some of our product planning research, we come across customer groups quite often that are feeling like sedan is in vogue coming back and that SUV even is so associated with the family life stage that think a la minivan from 20 years ago, even though Toyota just launched our Sienna, it's still that there's some something about kind of the sportiness, the ride height, the proportions, the nimbleness that only a sedan can offer, and a sports car, of course, but for carrying uh, passengers, a sedan does that still quite well, offering both utility, cargo, passenger, as well as what we say fun to drive or nimbleness. There'll always be a market for those customers. Yeah, fun to drive is definitely a selling point. My husband's vehicle is forever in the shop. And so we get loaner vehicle. And our last one was a Corolla. And it was so fun to drive. I forget driving a, a sedan and you forget how great the steering is. And so I'm sure not only for people's first car, but as people are going into different life stages, that those are key attributes that people are looking for. Yeah, we've even stuck with the manual transmission on Corolla to which adds another element of fun to drive when you, the, the the level of engagement. It's and of course it's sad. It's hard to find some teenagers back 20, 30 uh, years ago. A lot of us were grew up with manual transmissions, and today it's hard to find those. They're still asked for. We know we see that in social. My brother learned how to drive a manual. I could do it if it was a life or death situation. <laughs> I think. I wouldn't say they're coming back yet, but we can see some mix of sedans with 6, 8, 12% manual transmissions even. I think what's interesting, especially on TikTok, younger generations, like those who can drive a stick, mm -hmm. then come in, the comments are like, what is that? Why would you have to do that? Regardless of Toyota's position, overall sedan sales have dropped dramatically, and many competitors have even slowed down or ceased production altogether. This is a huge shakeup to the marketplace, but where does it leave Toyota? it's an opportunity for us. As our competitors abandon the segment, we can continue to thrive. If you look at the standard midsize segment, last year, our market share was over 25%, about 27.5% in that segment alone. And then if you just look at the first two months of this year, in that segment alone, we're over 30%. So as they abandon, that opens up that opportunity for us to sell more vehicles, which is a great opportunity for Toyota. 
people are leaving the segment and we're introducing more sedans and options in our sedan lineup, it's it's consumers are are making their choice with their wallet and choosing Toyota. Like we were just talking in a little bit ago about how they're fun to drive. The Apex, we introduced that last year, which is a phenomenal vehicle and, and awesome to drive. So I think it's is worth their abandoning and we continue to expand our, our offerings. We're maximizing our market share. We'll, we'll put it this way. We will welcome our competitors to leave the sedan market. It will leave a much bigger pie for us. It's it's about 4 million cars. And if you think if we can achieve 15, 20% of that market, that's huge volume for Toyota. And you look at the action, the moves that we've made in the in the sedan programs that we have, and, and we're definitely doubling down on sedan the last few years. All-wheel drive added to Camry Avalon. We've got appearance, sporty appearance packages like the Nightshade program added across all of our vehicles, but also with the sedans. Of course, hybrid electrification we have on the sedans that started even earlier than on the crossovers. Uh, the TRD program that we've added now to Camry and Avalon, our V6 powertrains on those two programs. A lot of those actions happened in the last 18 months, in fact. Yeah, and as we look forward, starting in April is when we're going to see an influx of a lot of new products being introduced over the next 16 months, which is roughly 25 products and half of them are in the stands. Wow, that's incredible. We really weren't kidding when we said that Toyota is committed to the sedan. That's a huge offering of products. The goal of any company, car manufacturer or otherwise, is to release products that appeal to the mass consumer in the market. They want to do everything they can to offer product that fulfills everyone's wishes and desires. Obviously, it isn't realistic to actually cater to everyone. Any business must ultimately decide where it wants to focus and where to make compromises. This is as true when it comes to making a car as anything else. Kelsey and I see all the time that you guys have ideas and thoughts and wants and wishes for our vehicles. But we can't just design the model that you want to buy. We also have to take into account external factors such as complexity, compatibility, and even capacity of our factories. That said, in spite of these limitations, it certainly seems like Toyota is doing its best to offer a car that appeals to everyone. Complexity is always something that the planning organization has to keep an eye on for the sake of our dealers and, and customer choice, of course. So you have, to, and it's a business decision and even the manufacturing side of the business too. So whether it's, and that comes into play, by the way, whether it's a sedan or whether it's a crossover or a minivan um, or a truck for that. In fact, our trucks have some of the most complexity, our pickups, but you do have to be careful. But even within the sedan market, it's not a homogenous market where there's one customer. There is a lot of diversity in the sedan market. Some You've got customers buying car for basic transportation on one hand to some of those other emotional reasons on the other hand, such as nimbleness, styling reasons, as I mentioned, with proportions of the car and maybe how you bend sheet metal and make it you know, even more sexy for the customer. So there's a spectrum of reasons of why you buy. And through that spectrum, you design a TRD program or a Nightshade program or an Apex program or a Corolla or the great strategies that we have too. We have the SD, the SSE, XSE on the sporty side, and we have our LE, XLE on the, what we say is the core side. With all these new additions and developments, cars must also shed old technologies as they become antiquated. So how do the designers account for the long life of the vehicle and at what point in the design process does the decision to remove outdated features, like a CD player, for example, get made? 
it does have to do with some kind of hard points around engineering decisions that you have to, it might be that you want to, now is the time or forecasting the time when to remove something, but sometimes it has to have the right lineup with other changes to the vehicle because otherwise you'd have a blank spot there. So you're basically deciding in, so if, if you're if you're building a new vehicle today, designing it, you're just, you're deciding what that vehicle is going to look like four or five years from now. So like in between then iPhones can change their chargers eight times like they do. And then you're stuck. So it's interesting how we decide that. But yeah, I've always wondered about the CD player because some, my, I think my forerunner still has a CD. I just got into a new Prius and I don't know if it does or not. That's interesting. And I use the CD player in my other one on occasion. Kelsey, I just, I need to remind my kids who I am with my college mixed CDs. Okay. We still need the CD players just in case they forget mom with gangster back in the day. I I had my mixed tape, so I'm (laughs) gauging myself. Market research and understanding consumer trends are vital parts of product development. You have to know that a car will sell before you spend time and resources creating it. Yet in the past, Toyota has displayed a real willingness to take a plunge, launching new ideas and seeing how people will react to them. Paul explains how they managed to strike that balance between consistency and innovation. There are different ways that we come to a conclusion to to green light a program or a derivative, let's say in this case. Sometimes it is, I wouldn't say the word experiment because it's an extremely expensive experiment in the automotive industry that you could throw away. No, it, it is far more studied. All that is complexity when you add it together. So yes, you have to make sure there is enough segments of customers out there to satisfy regardless of sedan versus. And as I said, sometimes these studies take us years to get to with research, literally using design bucks to test and go there. But sometimes it does start with, you know, deep understanding of the market. And then we have to confirm our hypothesis through maybe research. We talk to our dealers a lot. We actually have a dealer advisory panel that we work with very closely. But it's really our job in product planning as part of our sales pillar and and market voice within the company to to use everything at our disposal to make those decisions. But we don't take them lightly and they are they require a lot of patience and discipline to come to a conclusion. And at the end of the day, we have to size the market for a particular program because we have to assign some sort of volume to it. We're always, after we launch something, we're always listening to make sure it's at least living up to our expectations. And then we can, in some way, pivot and even further enhance that program. For a while, if you wanted a luxurious, smooth ride, something with a nice interior, you may have bought a car, a sedan. Those of us looking for something a little bit more rugged, a higher ride, got a truck or an SUV. The RAV4 is actually the best of both worlds. Perhaps crossover vehicles like this have factored into changing the marketplace. I do think that there are qualities that make a sedan, and it tends to be lower center of gravity, lower ride height, less wheel to body per, uh, gap. And, and that all that added together gives it proportions that allows designers to style nice, sexy designs, as well as handling. SUVs, we've seen a lot of change on, changes of, and especially unibody SUVs are evolving so much to even as you drive them, they feel more car-like and less rugged-like maybe from 30 years ago. So what is going to be the future I think in between it is, I think we will see some 
new genres come in between those, the sedan and the crossover. And it's going to be very interesting because how do you satisfy, is there space there? As a planner, we have to ask ourselves, is there a market there to be an in-betweener? And is that enough to sustain business? And there's not always a clear answer, and there's not always one swing at that at that answer either. I think not just Toyota, but others will try several attempts to see what's the what's an in-between. Is there a new genre there between car and crossover? So it, it will be it makes our jobs fun. And we and of course it also keeps um the customer engaged to, to help us figure those out. What also will be interesting too is Gen Xers, as we age and our families are leaving the household and we become empty nesters, do we convert in, as Paul talked about earlier, into sedans from our SUVs? All right. So the Toyota Camry has a unique reputation. Everyone has their specific idea of what the car is, even if that's just remembering the model their parents drove when they were a child or Kelsey specifically requesting it as her first car. The Camry is a very different car than it used to be. The recent redesigns completely changed the game, amping the car up and turning it into something far more capable than ever before. That might not gel with everyone's perception, especially not if their last experience with the Camry was, for example, driving a hand-me-down their grandparents gave them as a teenager. How are we spreading the word about the Camry's new features and abilities? And how are we ensuring that people know just how much the car has changed? I would say more and more in our marketing, you're seeing that we're really highlighting how our cars are fun to drive and living that up. And I think that's really what's turning consumers, expanding their understanding of Toyota beyond that QDR and looking at them differently, that they're cool. During the presentation, Akio Toyota used the word sexy. I think a lot of our cars are sexy today. They're sexy, they're fun to drive and bringing out more of those emotional reasons to purchase a car versus some of those rational reasons. And we see in social too, Camry is a generational hand-me-down from people. My grandmother in Berkeley, California with the narrow roads there had a 92 Camry that when we sadly had to take away her license and her ability to drive, it was still going and worked great despite anything that she may have navigated through those narrow roads in Berkeley. California, but this is a vehicle that's a, hey, I got my mom's Camry or, hey, I got someone. How do we continue that effect and legacy with a vehicle like that? And maybe bring that over to other vehicles like Corolla, right? Which is the best-selling, I think, sedan in the world. My take on Camry is it's so much a part of Toyota, but it's also a part of American culture in some ways. And maybe that's too bold to state, but I'll go there anyway. It to be 19 years best selling is means that we as a company and at the risk of sounding too proud, it means we really have to listen to the market. Because even though, as you said, Tyler, my grandparents' car, honestly, you've got to be still more progressive to 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 really stay relevant to that 16, 18, 25-year-old first-time new car buyer to make that a car that they want to buy, not just their grandparents wanted to buy, because tastes change. We've worked very hard over many generations to keep studying the market, listening to the market, challenging our engineers, and our engineers being able to deliver, whether it's a new platform or a new styling, like Ian Cartabiano worked on for this generation of, of Camry and his team, or new technology to put 
Toyota safety sense in Camry is critical to have that and to have it to have it updated as our TSS system updates. It's even though that's the challenge is keeping that history, but at the same time bringing generation after generation new to the table. So true. And I remember when we redesigned it next generation a couple of years ago, talking to the designer of it, Ian Cartabiano. He said, when I designed it, I had to think about in the Middle East, people take Camrys and they use them to be driven around. So they have a driver. And so you need a little bit of space to be able to be driven around. But with these additional grades that we've had, the TRD, we have Nightshade, other things that we've added here in the U.S., what do you think the U.S. consumer specifically loves about the Camry? It's interesting. I think it's a little bit unique for each consumer as they're, as they're shopping and selecting. Obviously, Toyota is known for its QDR, and a lot of shoppers are gravitating towards the Camry because it's legendary with its quality. And then I think other shoppers, as they're seeing the redesigned Camry, it's turning their head and realizing that's not the Camry that my parents drove. This is the Camry of today, of not of yesterday, and they're excited to get in just a really cool sedan. The Camry's ability to evolve and stay fresh is extremely impressive. Awards and recognitions aside, it has remained the best-selling car in the U.S. for the last 19 years. How is it still so popular? I'll just say, what is there not to love? It's sporty. It's I wouldn't say it's big. It's a, just a nice standard midsize sedan, as, as Paul was just talking about. We have a whole range in that lineup from your standard Camry to the TRD Camry, which he was saying is the V6 and sporty. And I get so excited. I still catch myself as I'm on the road. If there's one next to me or across the light, it's, it turns my head every time. And that vehicle is just so sharp and sexy. It's one of those examples that we can just bring and make some really cool sedans. So from my standpoint, what's there not to love about a camera? I just To me, it's hands down, absolutely number one. One way that we've managed to keep our consumers excited is through variety. Between the different models and individual grades, there are just so many options. So what defines each of these grades and what are the differences between them? They each have their unique personalities. But as we're looking at the marketing, especially as we're introducing new vehicles, taking the vehicle that's just going to stand out. Lately with our marketing, we've been shifting a lot of focus on the hybrid models, which have been gaining popularity too. And picking those colors that are just really going to pop and draw on our consumers. Again, it comes back to complexity. What's the right balance for the business versus the market? But the fact of the matter is, even though it's always going to be a challenge to manage that complexity from the factory and from the business side, this market that we live in has so much diversity in it. And so when I say diversity, I don't just mean cultural diversity. I even mean lifestyle diversity, geographic diversity, where and how you drive and the the elements that your vehicle is in. But those cultural diversities influence kind of people's preference for styling. And, And we see this very clearly with what we call the mixes of those grades and how they're sold throughout the country. So let me give you an example. On Camry, we sell a huge amount of our sport grades, the SE, XSE. It's 60 plus percent of our mix. And you might even see a lot of that happen on the West Coast, more cultural trendy West Coast. So it really is to satisfy the market request or market need for all of that choice. But to look at Camry still a little bit longer, When we say a sport grade, like the SE versus an LE, 
What we're talking about is both styling appearance, and a lot of time that means actually there's sheet metal or bumper change. There's a different face on it. If you look at Camry, your SE versus LE. But also inside the car, you might have a more sporty trim of materials, maybe some stitching accent pieces that, that kind of message the sportiness. But then third level is also of handling. So we will tune the suspension a little bit tighter, a little bit more uh, sportier suspension for that customer. So it's leaning in towards a more authentic sportiness, but it's not all the way where you would have, and, and TRD goes further in that direction. It is just a deep study that our group will work on for years to make a decision such as bringing a TRD program to the camera. For example, it's not something that we do very quickly. It requires a lot of market study to identify and size the market as well as engineering to plan to help build the, the parts for that vehicle. So TRD, which stands for Toyota Racing Development, and we have Camry in NASCAR and have had that prior to our Camry TRD launching. It was a decision to say, look how many of those customers overlap. The NASCAR fan, our Camry customer, it felt very natural for us to take a brand that was not only authentic and racing history for us, for Toyota, but also had already been introduced with derivatives on the truck side. So it got born out of a couple of those two different directions to result in our Camry TRD, our Avalon TRD today that you see, which is beyond our SEXSE Camrys, far beyond that in terms of styling and handling, and then only offered with a V6 powertrain, whereas you can get an SE in a four-cylinder. These days, one of the most significant choices to make when selecting a vehicle is which powertrain you want. As sedans evolve, the market is increasingly looking towards an electrified tomorrow. Hybrid powertrains come with a wealth of benefits. They boast improved fuel economy, they're more environmentally conscious, and they're built with an eye towards the future. With all that in mind, surely there's a downside. Does the consumer lose anything by opting for a hybrid? No, they're absolutely not losing anything as they switch to a hybrid powertrain. But beyond hybrid, there's other electrification options in our lineup and more to come. And depending on consumers' lifestyle, they'll continue to make those choices that are right for them, that, that meets their needs. And it's going to be just, I think it's going to just going to be an interesting industry in the coming years with, as the electrification lineup across all OEMs grows. I think there's some people that think that car is on the decline, car slash sedan is on the decline. And therefore, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to get as much choice when I choose a car. I'm not going to get, for example, the powertrains that I would want that are offered on a crossover. And, and we at Toyota would say, no, everything from traditional power, gasoline powertrains like V6s and four cylinders. In addition to that, our electrification strategy that we've been out talking about even recently, our goals for electrification, we will be offering all that also through the car is a, a critical component for us to get to that strategy, for us to deliver on that strategy. For us to be able to deliver 40% of our sales electrified by 2025, we have to be selling a, a, a very high mix of hybrids, plug-in hybrids, in RAV4, Prime, for example, in but also in Camrys, in Corollas, and Avalons. That's There's no way to get there without the car side 
also being able to bring that mix. So basically you're saying we need to have a mix of options in grades, but also a mix of options electrified so that we, we can meet our electrified goals. Because if it was just hybrid, we couldn't get there. It needs to be a mix of hybrid, plug-in, et cetera. Yes. And when, when I say electrified, we do mean hybrid, which Toyota has a strong history of that. But we also mean plug-in hybrid. We mean battery electric vehicle. We even mean fuel cell hybrids. And it's not only to meet our goals, it's to meet the consumer demand. There's increasing consumer demand. So we want to put the products out there that Paul and his team work so hard about it that the consumers want and give them those options. And a fun fact is Toyota is, is for over 20 years, I believe it's 21 years, is the hybrid leader. So proven technology for Toyota. Toyota's prowess in the electric market is undeniable. We've sold more electrified options than the rest of the automotive industry combined. And that is truly impressive. At the same time, SUV demand still significantly outweighs sedans. SUVs account for almost 50% of car sales in the United States, and they're typically not electric vehicles, or not yet. With the rising popularity of the SUV, how can we continue to strike such a strong balance between electric and non-electric options, especially when working towards emissions goals? If you look at our lineup, we our, our hybrid lineup is continuing to expand. Just last month or the last few months, Highlander Hybrid has been breaking its all-time sales records. RAV Hybrid is doing extremely well. We just introduced the all-new Venza, which is only available in hybrid, which is an SUV. The current generation that we, Sienna, that just launched late last year is all hybrid. So there is a lot of hybrid options as you look at our SUV lineup and a lot of options as you look at our our passenger car lineup. And it's, it's an interesting, if you go back just a few short years ago, our hybrid sales mix was less than 10% of our total sales. Fast forward to last year, 2020, it was roughly 16%. Then if you just look at the short time period, we're in 2021, the first two months, it's over 20%. So we're well on our way to hitting those goals, those stated goals of that 40% in 2025. And do you think that's a product of people just becoming more comfortable with the electrified options, more education, or because the parity between the combustion engine and the hybrid option is it's becoming, the gap's becoming smaller? Yeah, a lot of things are contributing to it. As more are on the road, people have friends that have a hybrid and they're in it driving it. They're getting in Ubers that are hybrid. So the more people are exposed to these alternative powertrains, the more comfortable they are and the more willing then they are to purchase them and the higher they go on their consideration list. So I think as they become more mainstream, we're just going to continue to see that demand for the electrified options to increase. In short, it's good news for electric cars. How is that going to shape the future? And what can we expect from the next generation of electric vehicles? For those people that are in California, in the LA, Sacramento, and San Francisco areas, one of their options, which is a phenomenal option, is the Mirai, which is a fuel cell vehicle. But we just launched earlier this year the next generation Mirai, which is getting phenomenal reviews. The vehicle is really it's a standout. There's zero compromises with this vehicle. It's a head turner. It is absolutely gorgeous. It is sexy. It's got the performance that the previous generation didn't quite have, but the reception from our consumers on this next generation Mirai is over the top and our sales so far this year are exceeding our expectations. So 
I think as consumers look at alternative fuels, if you're in that area where you're near that infrastructure, this is a great choice. Sam is basically saying that science can be sexy. It really doesn't look like what some used to call like a science project. It looks like a vehicle that you want to drive. Like it look, it could stand up next to Camry, Avalon, et cetera, and fit in. It can stand up to the Lexus lineup and fit in. It, it is a luxury vehicle. It is spot on. So what's phenomenal too, we just literally, you guys, came off our best Mirai weekend in the history of Mirai. Like I don't, it, like I had a meeting with the regions on Friday, San Francisco and LA, and they were pumped up because they're like, we feel big momentum going. We feel like dealers are going to have a big weekend. Never thought one dealer, because we have 10 dealers that are selling the Mirai, one of them, Tustin, sold 42 Marais this weekend. We sold over 160 Marais this weekend. If you look at tomorrow's sales report, we'll have exceeded our month-end objective. So if we keep on this pace, we're going to it can have the best ever month in the history of Marais. That is awesome. That's great. We just need more early adopters to get used to the idea of maybe feeling in a different way than they're used to. And those people that are want to minimize their footprint on the environment, it, the emissions only out of the tailpipe drops water. It is zero emission vehicles in its truest sense. If you leave with anything, sedans can be sexy. So there you have it. The state of the sedan is far more optimistic than maybe you thought. There are more options when choosing a sedan than ever. Not only that, but their dominance in the field of electric cars means that they're definitely here to stay. I'm Tyler. And I'm Kelsey. And thanks for listening to Toyota Untold. Paul, Sam, thank you so much for joining us today on Toyota Untold, giving us the rundown on all things sedan. Thanks to both of you, it was fun. A lot of fun, thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Toyota Motor Sales USA Incorporated and may not be reproduced or redistributed in whole or in part without prior permission from Toyota. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and our hosts and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Toyota. Please note that Toyota is not responsible for any errors or the accuracy or timeliness of the content provided. Use with permission, all rights reserved worldwide.